Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Late Breaking F1 podcast post-Belgian Grand Prix with Harry Eid, Samuel Sage. How are you doing, guys? Good. I need a lie down. I think that's uh, that's appropriate, really. We were treated to another great Grand Prix. Um, of course, it has spun over the summer break, but it's about five good races in a row now. So um, entertaining stuff. Obviously, um, the the main talking point from the weekend wasn't even a Formula One incident itself. Uh, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this already knows the tragic news that came out on Saturday that Formula Two driver Antoine Bear was killed in a crash that happened at the top of Radion. Um, obviously, from all three of us, our thoughts, our prayers go out to Antoine's family, Antoine's friends, and the rest of the F2 paddock. Um, and as a sport, I guess it's our time to to, to mourn the loss and uh, and to learn from it and to ensure that safety is not something that uh, that is ever stopped. Safety is something you can always do more on. So, uh, yeah, rest in peace, Antoine Hubert. And the scenes, I'm sure you guys will agree, um, on the 19th lap and the minute silence before, they were they were very respectful and um, it was it was great to see. Yeah, I genuinely found it moving. Uh, obviously, the three of us we don't know the young man that unfortunately passed away at the weekend. But as with any community, especially the racing community, it was incredible to see the reaction both on track, off track, the minute silence held, the applause given by the the crowd, and the re- the reaction on the likes of Twitter. Um, genuinely found it. The whole weekend, quite upsetting, quite moving, but also incredibly respectful and wonderful to see the whole community come together regardless because people do need to realise that motorsport is incredibly, incredibly dangerous. As you said, Ben, safety can always move forward, but it is never going to be enough. We need to constantly improve it. So I hope that was a race he would be proud of. I think it would be. But um, hopefully we can be on the up now. But yeah, really sad, really sad. But um, as you said, for the three of us, you know, the biggest of respects. Yeah. Um... So the actual race itself, Charles Leclerc picked up his first Grand Prix victory, first Ferrari victory of the season. Uh, I remember a very, very clever person managed to predict that before the weekend happened. I can't quite remember who. Um, I'll get back to you if I remember who that was. But um, Charles Leclerc, first Grand Prix victory, perhaps not the jubilant celebrations he'd have uh, been dreaming about because of the conditions of the weekend. But um, Harry, what did you think of Leclerc's win? Uh, well, it's look, long overdue, isn't it? It should have come in Bahrain. It should have come again in Austria, potentially. Um, yeah, this has been on the cards for a long time. And he dealt with he dealt with the pressure of the weekend and, like I say, the circumstances very well because he knew Antoine uh, from like a kid. And um, But then he also dealt with the pressure of Hamilton bearing down on him, which is... Is, is not where you want. No no driver wants Lewis Hamilton, a fast Lewis Hamilton bearing down on them. So he handled that pressure really well as well. And getting through all the traffic and they're flying, uh, spinning off the road, Giovinazzi, good chaos on that last lap. So, um, yeah, great race driven by him. He was, I think, helped by Ferrari leaving uh, Vettel out. Um, I think Hamilton might have got him if that hadn't happened. Uh, but nonetheless, he nailed the pole lap. He was so quick and quality. It was unbelievable. Um, so yeah, fully, fully deserve the win. And Sam, do you uh, agree with that? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, if anyone's going to win this weekend as a lovely, touching tribute, it should be Charles Leclerc. I'm so glad he's finally got that first victory. I obviously predicted him to try this championship this season. That won't happen, but it is great to finally see him on the winners list. Ferrari's strategy this weekend was bizarre. Um, they nailed it for Charles Leclerc. But at, at the shock for me was when we heard over the radio, Vettel, please, without the way, let Leclerc through. I don't think anyone was expecting that to come so calmly, so easily for Ferrari. Uh, he could have held up Charles Leclerc for a couple of laps quite easily with the pace that Vettel was showing. I, I was worried that at that point Hamilton would catch him, would hunt him down and easily snatch first place off of him. But they played it brilliantly. They left just enough time for uh, Leclerc to win the race. And Vettel played a key part in that. But on the other hand, they did screw up the strategy for Vettel's race points. But as a race wing, he played a very key part in it. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that Leclerc got the win. Yeah, um, and um, as has been alluded to, it was it was well earned. It, it wasn't a case of Charles Leclerc turned up, easily had the fastest car, felt no pressure whatsoever and took the win. It, it was hard earned, even though in qualifying, Ferrari clearly had the best car. And that was proven by Leclerc being nearly eight tenths quicker than um, both his teammate and anyone else in the race. Um, as was seen on Friday, Mercedes race pace was better than their qualifying pace. Um, and that came to fruition on the Sunday. Um, and yeah, maybe he was helped out by Vettel, but I think Leclerc, the way that he dealt with the pressure that he received from Hamilton was great. Um, he didn't quite get the same amount of pressure as he saw in Austria when he did lose the, the win, uh, but it was starting to head to a similar scenario. So in Leclerc's mind, maybe he's thinking back to the last point he could have had a win and it was, you know, he very nearly had it, couldn't quite see it through. But this time he was... He showed the mental strength as well as the sublime pace to get it done. Um, and we, we will talk about the, the strategic implications of everything that happened and Vettel being asked to move aside and being pitted much, much earlier than the other three drivers at the front. But from Leclerc's perspective, it has been a long time coming. Um, Bahrain, he should have won. Austria, he sh- could have won. Baku, again, a big could on that one, but I think he had the pace to win there. Uh, and it's happened for him in Formula One and maybe this will open the floodgates. Maybe this will be the first of a lot. I have, I have no doubt that it will be. Um, but as you said, Sam Leclerc, the strategy worked out perfectly for him, not so much for Sebastian Vettel, who had to be content with just fourth place off the podium. Do you think that Ferrari could have played that any better? Or do you think that they did actually nail the strategy based on the circumstances? In terms of, a race wing strategy, regardless of who you want your team to win, it meant they got the race wing. I don't think the club would have won the race if Vettel hadn't done, had the strategy he had today. Um, in terms of Vettel's race, devastating. Vettel clearly had the ability to go on and at least be second on the podium. I mean, obviously, not on the podium at all after both Hamilton and Bottas easily breezed past him. Um, it's tough to tell. I think Ferrari have never been great at their strategies, well, especially in this hybrid era. That's been clear. I think... They worked it well for the wing for Leclerc, and that's what matters. They got the race win, their first of the season. Um, they can now say that they've taken home a victory, one behind Red Bull. Maybe they'll get another one next weekend. We'll have to see. Uh, and I think without Vettel having that other strategy, it wouldn't have happened. So, yeah, I think it was an acceptable sacrifice to make. Vettel didn't fall back that far. He still did well, still claimed a nice 12 points. Uh, or was it 13 with the fastest lap? Um, yeah, 13 with the fastest lap. So, you know what? I think I think it was an acceptable sacrifice to make. And they did well to claim that race win off Mercedes. He looked almost destined to take it had they not had the sacrifice from Vettel. 
Harry, did you like how Ferrari played it? Um, they had to. They had to get this win. So if someone has to take the fall, and it was the person who was in the team who wasn't, who was the least quickest, and that was Vettel. So unfortunately for him, he had to take the fall. Um, I said to you, Ben, before we started recording, you have Ferrari and maybe Red Bull as well to take on a Hamilton. They need two, two cars to take on a Hamilton to even beat him because. He's so bloody quick that you can't contain him with just one card, but with two cards, at least they can hold him up and then he couldn't catch the other one. Um, yeah, so I don't know whether they nailed it because nailing it would have them as a one-two, but to get that win, which they desperately needed, and they should, and they obviously secured it, but um, they had to get his win in Spa. So in terms of that, yeah, they did nail it, but a perfect strategy would have had Seb P2 as well, but... I don't think that was possible with his pace and Hamilton's pace. So, yeah, it was a necessary strategy. Yeah, I, I thought they played it well. I think they maybe could have played it slightly better, but in terms of strategic errors that Ferrari have made in the past, it it doesn't it pales in comparison to those. Um, and obviously, it did allow Leclerc to to win the race, which is something that has eluded them all year. And claiming what thirty eight points uh, out of a maximum 45, uh, sorry, 44. That That's pretty good. Um, like you say there, Harry, a, a one-two would have been the perfect strategy. I think they were maybe trying to goad Mercedes into pitting Hamilton at the same time as Vettel. I think they kind of tried to lead them down the wrong path because Vettel came in very, very early, lap 15. Um, and I, I think you could kind of see from there that it wasn't going to be the right strategy because those soft tyres could go much longer than that and it's just going to leave him in a position where the medium tyres were going to be too slow to keep the guys behind him. So I think Vettel came in very early and I think Mercedes did well to to, to not react to that, to not uh, uh, to, to not falter um, and pit either Hamilton or Bottas. They stuck to their strategy, which was the right call. Um, in terms of Vettel being set aside for Leclerc to go past, I think that was a smart move. Um, it wasn't an overly surprising move for me personally. Um, I don't think there was any chance that Vettel was going to be able to keep him behind. Um, and he was able to uh, allow Leclerc to maximise his performance on the day, which was which was instrumental in giving him the victory. Without it, Hamilton probably would have caught him with a lap or two to go. I, I personally think they, they should have played it slightly differently in that Vettel should have been kept out a few laps longer. Um, and pitted around the same time as Hamilton, even if he does eventually get passed by Hamilton, if they've got very similar tyre life, there's a good chance he would have kept him behind for a few more laps than he did. Uh, Hamilton, it, it wasn't easy for him, but I think he would have had to work for a few more laps if they had very similar tyre life. But um, I, th- I think that's kind of, it's by the by, and they did fairly well. Um, obviously Leclerc's won the race. Vettel, it hasn't worked out too well for him, but all in all, it was a pretty scrappy weekend for him. So I don't think he can have too many complaints himself. Um, obviously Leclerc had a very good performance. Not the only guy though. Driver of the day, worst driver of the day. Harry, the driver of the day. Um, I was, I'm torn on this one between, uh, Norris, Lando Norris and Alexander Albon. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Norris because that McLaren didn't look like it was gonna nudge the top ten all weekend. Just it was just never gonna happen. And then he had a f- mental start, 
got into fifth and then just stayed there and just wasn't going to let go of it until the car decided to keep it had enough. So, yeah, I'll go Lando Norris for me. Really impressive drive from him once again. So, yeah, Lando. Uh, Sam? So, I had pretty much the same selection as Harry there. Uh, Lando, stellar job. You know, absolutely heart-wrenching to see him pull over on the line with one lap to go. Uh, thoroughly deserved to pick up that fifth place. And what a drive from him. But because mate, partially because Harry's giving it to Lando, I feel the other man does deserve recognition. The man that took Pierre Gasly's seat, uh, he's only been there for two weeks, hasn't done really any driving at all other than this weekend in a brand new team, comes in, cuts through a field where his teammate has binned it twice in the first three corners. And it's a track that isn't made for Red Bull. Those straights are shockingly hard for that Honda engine. It's still the slowest engine. But it did so well. He cut through that field brilliantly. You know, he's, he got full stop the track to have the Kemmel straight on the last lap. That's under investigation right now as we speak. Um, I think he cut through the field so brilliantly well. I'm impressed by what he did. He didn't get on the podium like I predicted, but his race was equally good, if not better than what I was hoping for him. So it's a great start. Hopefully he carries it on. Hopefully he continues to progress like he did. So Albon for me, driver of the day. Yeah, and I'm going to give it to I'm going to give it to Lando Norris um I think Alexander Albon had a fine race um but I don't think he had an exceptional race um in terms of a debut I think it was brilliant from Albon don't get me wrong but he was helped a lot by circumstances that happened around him Uh, and I think Lando Norris uh you could argue the same for him to an extent but once he got that grasp on fifth place he was never going to let it go um and he, he was able to to maximise his performance really effectively. Um, and it was heartbreaking for him that he broke down on the final lap. It's He's had quite a few results this year that have been marred thanks to incidents that have happened late on in a Grand Prix. So, um, yeah, very, very unfortunate for him. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to give it to him. I think Leclerc deserves a mention as well, obviously. Um and I think Nico Hulkenberg deserves a shout as well. He did very well on that two-stop strategy. He committed to it early, um, and he really made it made it work. He he made up some real ground in the last few laps. Uh, got some good overtaking moves done. So yeah, I'm going to give it to Lando. Sam, who have you got for worst driver of the day? Um, in terms of worst driver of the day, I'm actually going to just give it to a whole team, uh, and that is the American outfit Haas. I mean disastrous weekend for Haas. Um, qualified 10th and 11th, I think. Really solid, not bad for them. And Magnussen seemed to just be nowhere. The car clearly wasn't performing, but my God, it just dropped like a stone being thrown into the world's longest pond. He just kept falling and falling and falling, and it was such a struggle. And then Grosjean, who was on tyres around the same uh, age as cars around him, a little bit older, but still, um, was right on the back of a battle in the midfield, and we just heard him whinge and whine. I mean, he had a point, but the way it came across was just miserable. That team is in a shocking state of affairs right now. I don't know what they're doing with their car. I don't know what they're doing with their drivers. They are moving thoroughly back towards the back of the grid. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them as the car in front of Williams in a few races' time. Um, so Haas, generally for me, was just disastrous. Um Yeah, I I agree with Sam on Haas. They were not great. Uh, The other person I was going to say was was Max Verstappen. I know it wasn't in the race very long, but it was just, it was pure clumsiness. And we've got used to Max being so unclumsy. He used to have a few incidents now and then. But yeah, he he 
a dump start and then stuck his nose in at La Source, which I don't know, it just didn't seem like it was ever going to work. And inevitably, there was contact with um, Kimmy. And then even then, it's clear he he could see the steering was broken, but he still headed towards a rouge, which was strange. And then it inevitably ended up in in the uh, in the boonies. So, yeah, not a good one from Max, but you know, it's it's not like he's going to pick up 2017 Max all over again. But yeah, just a bit of a bit of a scrappy race, well, very short race from him. I guess it's a gag. Sorry. Um... Totally agree with you, actually, there, uh, Harry, about Max. What a stupid thing to do, driving towards Eau Rouge and Radion with your steering broken when there are cars around you steering. Well, he, he could clearly tell it was broken because he's, he's yeah. testing it and the wheel's not doing anything. After we have had one fatal crash, disastrous, heartbreaking, and we had another crash thing in the F3 race, which could have also been disastrous if it wasn't for the halo, he decides to throw his car into one of the fastest corners in Formula 1 without any steering capabilities. I think that really showed a lack of intelligence and a lack of forward thinking from Max Verstappen when we've come to expect better. I don't think that's acceptable. He he nearly connected with the Alfa Romeo and that could have been disastrous. Yeah, um, that, that was way too close for comfort with the Alfa and I'm actually going to give it to Max Verstappen as well. Um, I understand the point on the Haas drivers. They, they went backwards all day, but t- to be honest, that car is just not good enough. Um, and it's really difficult for them to work out because they are running basically two different cars at this point in the year. They've got the January spec uh, or the first first race of the year spec with um, with Grosjean and they've got the more recent one with Magnussen. They, they just can't evaluate when, uh, you know, what, what's going right and what's going wrong because Grosjean, can, Grosjean was solid in the first part of the race uh, and then fell back and Magnussen was able to recover in the second half of the race. One performs well when temperatures are high, one performs all right when temperatures are low. They just have big problems at Haas, so I'm going to avoid the two guys there and give give it to Max. You can't win a race at the first corner, but you can certainly lose it, uh, and that was really proven with Verstappen's incident. Uh, maybe just a, an edge of frustration after he got a terrible start to the Grand Prix, um, and he was dropping back a couple of positions. He decided to throw it in there, um, and... You know, Kimi Raikkonen was already halfway through turning the corner. Uh, he had nowhere to go. Max Verstappen, it was clumsy. It was unnecessary. Um, and he would have made back those positions in time. So um, perhaps he was a little more demotivated in this Grand Prix because there was he knew there was very little chance of victory. But yeah, it was um, an unwelcome return to Verstappen of old. Like you say, I, I don't think that's going to start a trend. But um yeah, he's cut the, out those mistakes quite well, but just not at this Grand Prix. So, uh, Max, obviously, and Kimmy having that incident, might as well get into that right now. Um, Sam, do you 100% believe it was Max Verstappen's fault? And also, do you think that he should have some sort of repercussion for his incident? Oh, well, not his incident, but going up Eau Rouge, knowing that his car was not in a fit state to get around the corner? Let's start with the incident. Um, we all plough into the source, turn one, of course, at the spa franc It's a very collective corner. The cars really gather. It's a short run, so everyone goes in as a pack. Max knows that. He's driven that track enough times. Uh, Kimmy left the door open, but I wouldn't say he left it open anywhere near enough that you would be able to put all four wheels onto the kerb on the inside of that corner and be able to run the car around properly. Formula 1 cars don't have that turning circle. Again, Max knows that. And Kimmy is unable to see Max in his rearview mirror at that point. 
He's going to be focusing around the other parts of the track as well. He's got a lot of cars around him. So I don't see how he's always going to have one eye down his inside on Max Verstappen at the start of that race. I wholeheartedly believe that Max is now mature enough, he's experienced enough, he's aware enough to go, this is a 44-lap race. I'm going to break. I'm going to follow Kimmy down the straight. Maybe I'll get the DRS and pass him then. Like you said, Ben, you can't win the race on turn one. You can most certainly lose it. In terms of repercussions, I don't think there should be any repercussions for turn one. It was a silly mistake. Kimmy was able to technically finish the race, although it was a horrible race for him. But it was a silly racing incident. Max's fault, but a silly racing incident. The, the thought process, the anger he must have been experiencing in front of all of his home crowd fans to drive towards Radion and Eau Rouge, steering so clearly not working. He, you can see him flat, frantically flailing in the cockpit to try and get the wheel turning. One wheel is off at a camber. Uh, it's facing the wrong way almost. And he just clips the back end of the Alpha, which knocks his wheel clean off as he goes through the corner. That could have so easily been a full flip of that Alfa Romeo car if he had been slightly further forward. That could have been another fatality. That could have been life-threatening for that driver and for himself. And after the weekend we have had, he needs to be sat down and said, you know what, mate, you, you just can't do that. It's not good enough. I'm really quite appalled at how dangerous that was from Max Verstappen. And I think maybe some kind of penalty uh, for next race to demote him to the back of the grill or something like that, or maybe some kind of community service, service that isn't just go and watch Formula E would maybe be um, a good kind of punishment to go think about your actions on track before you're delivering them on track. Because, again, that could have been life-threatening. And, my God, we would not want to see another incident where a driver's health and life is in speculation. Uh, Harry? Yeah. Um, like we've already said, we've already touched on, the first corner was just clumsy from Max. He didn't need to chuck it in there. I know he's frustrated from the bad start, but he knows. He, you know, he knows from Austria. He came from whatever eighth place or whatever he was to still win. Um, yeah, so I played that on fully on uh, Max. Kimi was left enough space for the Force India. Uh, damn it, I'm like Crofty. Try again. <laughs> like the racing point. So there was he left enough space for the racing point that was next to him, and then suddenly out of nowhere, um, a Red Bull was slithering up his inside. Um, yeah, so fully Max's fault. The going out to Eau Rouge thing, yeah, I don't, I'm not entirely sure. If he didn't know, then fair, but he was clearly wiggling the steering wheel. You see on the onboards, he was clearly wiggling the steering wheel and the wheels weren't doing anything. And Brundle touches on it in commentary saying, well, I don't know why he did that. Um, yeah, he just needs to be, I don't know, it, doesn't deserve like a penalty or anything. Just a, a sit down, and go look. That was that was silly. And like Sam says, he almost connected with the alpha, which was a bit too close for comfort. And considering the events of the weekend, uh, not a great sight. So um, yeah, just not a great one from Max. It was his fault for the turn one corner uh, incident. And yeah, he just needs to have a sit down and just someone tell him, don't do that again. Yeah, I think um, in, t in terms of the first corner incident, when you go head into La Source, you, you, it looks like the gap is much wider than it is at the start of your braking action. But when you really get down to it, the, the gap narrows and narrows and narrows. And Verstappen knows that. He's been involved with the first turn incident before. Um, and we've seen it a number of times over the years where someone will think they have enough room to go up the inside of La Source and then the gap just goes like that. It shuts. Um, and rightfully so, because Kimi Raikkonen has no need to dart to the left to get out of the way of Max Verstappen, who can't be bothered to be patient. Uh, 
as we've said, it's it's a 44 lap Grand Prix. There's no need to there's no need to go and try and play hero on the first corner and win it. Um, he had a bad start. He would have no doubt got past the cars that were ahead of him because of the poor start. So there's no point in risking it and throwing it in there when you know we know Kimi Räikkönen. He's not going to yield there, nor should he. Um, I, th- I think it was clumsy. Um, and it's the really the one bad point that Verstappen's had this year. I, I can't think of another mistake that he's made, which, you know, says volumes about Max Verstappen and the improvement that he's had. So, you know, fair play to him. But, um, yeah, it was just an unnecessary one. The run-up to Radion and O'Rouge, particularly with the incidents of the weekend, I think it was, I, I think it was unnecessary. Um yeah, I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he didn't know that it was going to snap. Um, you can't really account for those things, but he was having difficulty with it on the way up uh, to Radion. So, yeah, he I I agree with you, Harry. He kind of does need just a just a quiet word in his ear, really, to say it's a very fast corner. Um, you you know the car's clearly not performing in the way in which you would expect it to perform. And you've got an Alfa Romeo literally directly on your left. Just just, just watch out there. Um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think there was any need for a penalty. Um, and it's a shame for both drivers, really, because Max Verstappen, it would have been interesting to see how he featured in that race. It could have been a boring fifth place for him, but you never know. And of course, Kimi Raikkonen loves the circuit too. So it would have been interesting to see him get in that midfield fight. He may well have, uh, may well have led the midfield, but... Uh, I guess we'll never know really on that one. Uh, and going from Max to Max's teammate, Alexander Albon in his debut for Red Bull. Harry, how do you think he fared? Really well. Looked really punchy. He pulled off some, some really great moves. The one on Perez was spicy and Perez squeezed him and he still went on the grass and overtook him because he wanted that fifth place. Well, it was sixth at the time, but Norris had broken down. Um, and the one on Ricardo too, not many people go around the outside of Daniel Ricciardo, and yet yeah, Albon did. Um, yeah, so look, already he's looked, he looks punchier in the Red Bull than <laughs> Gasly did. I thought Gasly looked more punchy in Toro Rosso than he's looked in the Red Bull all season anyway. But um, yeah, impressive debut. He had to start at the back, well, pretty much the back, uh, with the engine penalties, but still, yeah, still finished in, in fifth with, with some luck. But you've got to be in it to win it, unlike his teammates. So um, yeah, really solid, and I think... Helmut Marco and Christian Horner will be very happy with his with their with their choice. I think. Uh, Sam, how do you think he got on? Well, he is my driver of the day, as you may have heard earlier on. Um, I think he did fantastic. Well, starting dead last on the grid uh, in a car that isn't designed for this track. Straight line speed is essential around Spa, and that Red Bull is definitely lacking <laughs> in that. Um, but he did so well to capitalise. His middle sector was fantastic. He really had a. Uh, a control on the car, despite only being there for a couple of weeks. I felt like he really understood the car. And, yeah, Ricardo had tyres that were as old as the race itself. But, I mean, to still go round the outside of that off-camber corner and then down through X really showed that he had a full grasp of that car and what its potential could be. And we haven't seen anything like that from Gasly so far this season in that Red Bull. Speaking of Gasly... He just seems to understand Toro Rosso better as a driver. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe the pressure's off because he had his best race of the season, in my opinion. He had a fantastic drive. It was great to see him fighting with a big foot and coming out on top on many occasions. He scored points. He's, he scored as many points in this race as he has done in some of his Red Bull races. So 
a great drive from both those guys. Maybe a little more happy. I'm glad Albon's back in that car. I think he really deserves to show it off. If he doesn't have a great performance in Monza where the car, again, is not suited to the track, then I really think that they're going to stick with him and Max as the partnership for 2020. Um, yeah, good stuff. He just showed consistency. He was calm. He, he, he kept Albon is good at being a calm, strong-minded racer. Yeah, I think as far as starts to a Red Bull career go, he did pretty well. Um, and I, conditions did help him. It, it, it did help him. There was there was no pressure on him in qualifying thanks to the penalty, so he could kind of go out there and just use it as an extra practice session, really. Um, and after Max Verstappen went on the first corner, there was no real barometer in terms of the Red Bull camp. Um, and starting from the back, it gave him the freedom to just go for it. There was no real expectation. If he starts the Grand Prix in P4 or P5, then suddenly you're expecting him to hold position at the very least. If he starts down in P18 or whatever the starting position P17 was, um, it, it just gives him the freedom to attack, um, which was it was wonderful to see. He pulled off some great moves. The one on Ricardo that you've mentioned was the move of the race for me. That was fantastic work from him, even though Ricardo at the time was struggling. He he overtook in an unconventional area. Um there will be tougher races for him, even though the circuit itself doesn't suit Red Bull. Um, I think he he was the beneficiary of some uh, midfield shenanigans. So obviously he had the first corner where he managed to make up loads of positions thanks to the Renaults and Kimi and Max all, all getting involved in that. And fair play to him. I mean, he avoided all of it. So, you know, he gets a tick for that. Um, and then his strategy helped him a lot, as seen by others who started on the medium tyre. Kvyat had a really good race. Uh, Giovinazzi was, you know, set to score a point or two as well. So, yeah, I think I think there will be tougher weekends ahead for him. But as a debut, I think he pretty much nailed it. So uh, congratulations to him. Um, he didn't seem daunted by the prospect of being in that Red Bull. Uh, which can't the same can't be said for for Gasly in his first race in Australia. So um, a, a good start. We'll see how he does in the following races. Nice. Yeah, I I think the the, the nodded heads. I'll, I'll take that. Usually it's the opposite. It's usually what are you on about? So yeah. we're all we in total agree. agreement on this this one. It really does make a change. Yeah, really I, I mean I'm slightly frustrated that. One of us is still acting like a smug git about predicting a Ferrari dominance here. Who uh, predicted that? Well, uh, someone that isn't even part of this call, I think. Definitely, definitely the majority of this call got it wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. It's <laughs> all right. Me and Harry will get you one day, Ben. We'll smug get you one doesn't day. suit you, Ben. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment, to, uh, to be honest. Um, before my head explodes, I think you might as well get us out of it, sir. Yeah, uh, if you have enjoyed um, what we brought to you today, in terms of whether you're watching on the podcast, on YouTube, whatever you follow us on, then uh, please stick around for some more. If you haven't followed already, then follow us, subscribe to us, get down on the links below in the video and uh, see us on our other socials. It's wonderful to have you along every single week. Um, we'd love to hear what you thought about the race, about obviously everything that happened to in the uh, the F2 race, of course, how disastrous that was, and maybe does something need to happen to the Spa track to keep it more more safety uh, safety pro? Uh, but in the meantime, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking, and I've been Harry Eade. And remember, keep breaking late. <laughs>